You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high-powered rifles, we all have one thing in common. And that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. As a matter of fact, it's episode number two of the No Foreplay series that I kicked off last week, or actually Monday of this week. And so I'm going to be generating a lot of these shorter format podcasts. I'm still going to have one, if not two, long form every week. But uh, the goal is I want to get a lot of topics talked about at the beginning of the year here uh, and not just one big giant general podcast. I want to pick a topic and I want to beat it to death in hopes that we get we cover all bases. So today we're going to be talking about poaching, uh, poaching rules and regulations, uh, wild game violations, uh, punishments, do the punishments fit the crime and whether or not those who make their money off wildlife whether you're an outdoor writer or you're a youtube sensation or you have a tv show or a podcast should they be held more accountable for wild game violations if they are found guilty and commit those uh, types of crimes and should the punishment be harsher and we talk about all those things today so uh there's that. That's the topic of conversation. Hey, uh, real quick, I'm just going to run off some 
uh, brands here that support the Nine Finger Chronicles. Please go out and support the brands that support this podcast and uh, just take a look at their products, man. Uh, Tethered Saddles, Wasp Archery. I do have a discount code of uh, wasparchery.com, NFC20. That's going to get you 20% off. Vortex Optics, Code Blue Sense. Again, codebluesense.com, discount code NFC20 for 20% off. The Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and of course, Full Sneak Gear, fullsneakgear.com. Uh, those are the partners. Please go out and support those brands. Uh, talk to them, you know, reach out to them if you have any questions. Let them know I sent you. Or if you have any questions about any of the products that you hear me talk about on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, you know, hit me up on Instagram and I'll do my best to answer your questions. All right. That, my friends, is the intro. And this is no foreplay. Three, two, one. All right, on today's episode of No Foreplay, we're going to be talking with Clint Campbell. Clint is the host of the, oh my God, I just had a brain fart. Truth from the stand. The truth, Boom, you got it. Got it. Hey, my, I'm getting old. The brain is working a little <laughs> slower these days, but I got it, right? Got it, man. All right, so Clint, man, uh, real quick, good season, bad season, happy, like average season. We're, what? Um, best season I think I've ever had. Ooh, you know, I love yeah. that. What made it the best season? I had a goal to fill two tags, uh, and in two very specific ways. Uh, one in Pennsylvania, it was a kayak access place that I've been hunting for three years. I've gotten beaten by two different deer in that same spot the past two years. And it's a timing thing. It turns on a specific time, you know, and I knew I'd kill a deer in there between the 16th and the 18th. And I killed a buck in that spot, gave him a kayak ride. I wanted to give one a kayak ride so bad for the past three years and finally did it, did it at seven 15 in the morning on October 16th. Um, so mid October, you know, early season, which is awesome. And then went to Kansas and I third year there trying to kill one on the ground, uh, you know, no getting into trees, just all ghillie jacket and, and hunting the CRP and uh, kind of spotting and stalking. And I spotted a good one and killed a, a Boone and Crockett from the ground in Kansas on the, on the second day of the hunt. Yeah. So. I saw that picture, dude. I was jacked for you when I saw that. I was like, I, I'm, I get excited when people I know kill big deer. And then that makes me, it almost motivates me a little bit more to, to get out there and, and grind harder just so I can go get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I saw your post, man. I pre- I appreciate that. It was, it was awesome. A lot of guys, you know, were, we're stoked for me. I think that's what's cool about our, our hunting community. Hell yeah, you know, dude. Is that people get jacked for each other. All right. Uh, no foreplay. First question, man. Do you think that the poaching uh, fines or um, crimes, like po- like when poaching, when a poaching crime happens or a wildlife game, wild game violation happens in the state of Pennsylvania, do you feel that it is the the punishments are fair? Hmm. I mean, I'm not an expert on like what the exact punish, punishments are necessarily. So I would I would venture to say that punishments usually aren't fair <laughs> necessarily. Um, I think that there are probably some people who are punished too harshly, mm-hmm. right? And then there are probably some who aren't punished harshly enough. And that might be an unpopular kind of thing to say about poaching because i think a lot of people just kind of have like the blanket kind of approach or kind of thinking of it is that if you poach 
it is what it is. It's a blanket statement. You're a poacher and you deserve the harshest punishment. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, all these things are, I won't say all these things. I think some of these things lie in kind of a gray area. Right. And so the, the legal kind of term of these things doesn't change whether or not it was something that was done by an honest accident and you kind of took the appropriate steps to contact like the DNR or the game and kit or game and fish, whatever the governing body is in your state. You say, Hey, I made a mistake. I shot this deer. I got confused. I'm just giving as an example. Right. I shot this deer. I, I wasn't real sure where the, I thought I was on public property. I ended up shooting him on like across the private line. I'm calling you to let you know deers on the property you know, it's illegal. I made the mistake, you know, and you accept your punishment or whatever. Like to me, the person who does that, I'm like, look, man, like anyone who's been out in the woods navigating with like their phone or whatever, like you've, you've probably walked and stepped across someone's private property line going, Oh shit. I didn't realize I was that close to the line or whatever. Right, right. now. Hunting's a different thing. You, you need to know where you're at and you shouldn't be crossing property lines anyway. But in that instance, it's like, I can look at it and go, the dude made a mistake and kind of owned up to it right away. Right. right. So should, does that person deserve to be penalized to the fullest extent? Like maybe not like, cause he made an, that person made an honest mistake versus the person who is shooting deer out of a field with a spotlight at night. Right. Or, or is habitually doing it or is just like a known kind of offender of game laws right, right. across, across the board. Right. And there's a good example of this in PA. There was a guy who got shot uh, three seasons ago. I actually remember hearing the gunshot. I was actually not hunting too terribly far from where this, this happened. And the dude ended up shooting the guy, ended up, ended up killing him. And when you look in the guy's history, like the guy had a ton of like game violations prior to that, like just a shithead, you mm -hmm. know, now he's doing hard time now. Right. But like that guy with the, like, the, the multiple offenses maybe shouldn't have been out. <laughs> right. Like right. that is a guy that probably shouldn't have had a license any longer, you know, and maybe right. that accident wouldn't have happened. So I think there's gray areas and I think there's degrees of, uh, you know, infractions, if you will. And, um, you know, and I would hope that those things are kind of taken into consideration whenever the, uh, the fines and the, and the uh, penalties are being levied. Yeah. So here's, here's like the, 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 the good person inside of me says, Hey, we should give people second chances. All right. Mm -hmm. And even if it is a blatant, my, I went into a truck with a spotlight and I had, I planned on poaching a deer in a field. That's not my property. Like to me, that's, that's the, the, the serious, the, the most serious crime. Cause you're blatantly doing it. You had, you had intentions of doing that. But even with that said, look, and the example on my social media was that, that a guy made, he said, so if a 20 year, 20 year old does that, do you, you know, should we, should we ban him from hunting for the rest of his life? I say, no, I say, you know, he has to pay a fine. He has to go a certain amount of time without being able to buy a hunting license. And then if he does it again, that's when the, Hey, you should have listened the first time we told you steps in and says no more hunting for the rest of your life do you feel even maybe with um repeated offenses that anyone should be banded from hunting for the rest of their life like permanently yeah i mean i think if someone's a habitual offender i think then i think then certainly you know because i think the thing that we forget it's the same thing as driving a car right, right. i shouldn't say the same thing but similar right it's a privilege it's not a right mm-hmm and so you only ever retain those privileges because you continue to show that you're responsible with those privileges. Right. right? 
same thing with driving a car. It's like you get a DUI or something like that. Well, you get your license suspended. I think like the first time it's like 90 days or something like that. You get hit again. It's like you lose it for like two years. You get hit a third time. And it's like, I don't know what the consequence is for that, but it's, I don't think you're going to have a car, a license for a while. Right. You know what I mean? Like a good long while and it's expensive. Right. And so that's, that's, you know, supposedly the, the, uh, the deterrent. Right. So I think that that's the thing that I have to keep in mind is that, you know, people think, yeah, like a ban for life is harsh, but it's not a right. It's a privilege. Right. And I think that that's where like the line for me is like, if, if it's not a, if it's not a right and it's not something that you legally are allowed or supposed to have, or that's just imbued upon you, right. For being a human that lives in this country or, or in the particular state or whatever, then yeah, you know, if you screw up whatever the number is twice, three times, whatever it happens to be, then yeah, I think a ban for life is appropriate. You yeah. know, I also think like the severity of it should be, you know, this is where I think it gets a little funny is like almost like you have to start to qualify them as almost um, capital or non-capital kind of offenses. Like if you're thinking about capital crimes, right, whether it's at a federal level or whether it's at a state level, right? right. And so it's like if you have an offense that is so egregious that it goes to the highest kind of well, <laughs> court in the land, if you will, right? That's not really the right way to say it, but yeah. the, high, the, uh, the highest offense of like the highest magnitude, right? It's like, well, then, yeah, that's that should be federally banned, right? Like right. you can no longer, you know, hunt no matter what state it is. And then I think there are offenses that you would look at and say like, well, that's a state particular kind of law, right? Yeah. So like f fence hopping, for example, right? Like right. out West, huge deal out there, right? Like right. people hate the corner crossing and stuff like that. I mean, people get all kind of up in arms about that. I think there was a law passed recently that kind of changed that, but that would be something where it's like, okay, that's a very Western specific thing. Like if a right. guy has some type of violation for something that is a very, very specific Western or state specific law, then I don't think it should be applicable then federally or nationally. Right. Right. But if it is a general, you're killing species out of season, like every state has seasons for species, right? That's a right. pretty general kind of like way that uh, hunting rights are managed or hunting privileges are managed. So it's like, if you're offending those, you know, then I'm like, well, yeah, like th nothing's going to stop you from offending those same ones in any other state. So let's just, let's just do it across the board. Right. Is it fair to compare wild game crimes and the severity of those crimes to other crimes? And the reason I asked this question is because uh, I'm, I made a post on social and then I got a whole bunch of different comments. Right. And one person said, even even in drunk driving, which you have the potential of killing someone when you're intoxicated behind the wheel, even then you can get your license back. All mm -hmm. right. Now, for me, I I then think of the natural resource that is being exploited or taken advantage of in a in a, a major a major wild game violation, whether that's um, having too much fish in your freezer or or catching too much fish or having the over the limit on you at a specific time can you compare punishments and uh crimes in both like the hunting world and then outside of the hunting world yeah i mean i think i don't think you can compare the magnitude of them right like i would never i would never do that just because you know the magnitude of taking a person's life is like that's just some right that's some heavy stuff right yeah. versus killing too many deer or taking too many fish albeit despicable you know none, nonetheless but i just don't think you know 
maybe if we were aliens and we didn't value human life more than animal life necessarily, <laughs> right? Like we just looked at them all as like like life. entities, yeah. right? Yeah, just life in general. Then 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 maybe so. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to how to parse this. But I, I think I think there's similarities in the people though. And mm-hmm. so I like in how they behave. I right. think that's kind of more so where I'm going. And so I think I think that the punishment is different because the magnitude of the of the crime is different. But I think you have to try to think about the person in a very similar way because both are devaluing life to a degree, one being a form of human, other being mm-hmm. form of, you know, animal. But they all have like I would I shouldn't say I shouldn't paint with a broad brush. I would suspect that the same person who kills with, you know, uh, without remorse or any feeling in a hunting situation, isn't far removed from someone who can maybe do the same thing in a in a in a human situation, right? There's a reason why serial killers often start with animals, right? Like, <laughs> just just gonna put it out there, right? right. Like, it, it, you know, so if you're a sociopath and like you don't have any regard for life in general, like I don't think it's a it's a far fence hop for that person on yeah. on the opposite side. There's there's probably some cultural stigma or whatever that's kind of keeping them at bay that maybe they'd have like a little piece of empathy there. But, you know, it's the, the people who abuse animals are the same people who abuse their spouses, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And so I think that the magnitude of the crime is different in the punishment, you know, deservedly so should be should be different. But in my mind, I kind of view those people not the same in terms of severity, but they have a very similar mindset in 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 my viewpoint. Yeah. And you know, and there's not a lot that separates them, I think, from a moral standpoint to a degree. Right. So when it comes to rules and regulations, right? Do you feel because what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to find a way to connect certain rules and regulations. And if they're broken, how do you come up with the proper punishment for that? Okay, Mm -hmm. and and so certain here's one, uh, for example, in Nebraska, Nebraska says you can have a bait pile on your property, but you cannot hunt within 200 yards of it. At least that's what it was the last time I checked. Now, in Iowa, I can have mineral stations on my property. I can have bait piles on my property, but I cannot hunt over top of them. But now we have this gray area of how far is too far from that bait pile. And so most guys, they just stay away from all of that, right? Right. And and so there's this gray area of, well, I thought I was fur- further enough away. And then it becomes the, the uh, conservation officers, um, they make, they say whether or not it, so it's what it's objective, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, it, yeah. Yeah, and they, they're kind of, it's up for interpretation, however they're going to interpret that law. Right. So how do you then, how do you then say what law, what wild uh, life, what wild game violation is weighted more than others? Is there a way, is there a way to fairly do that? <laughs> and I'll, I'll give an example. Maybe this will help you uh, with your answer. I know people who have been written a ticket because they did not tag their animal within 15 minutes of finding it. And so they drug it back to the truck, they loaded it in their truck, and 
uh, a DNR officer showed up and wrote him a ticket for not tagging the deer for uh, 15 minutes. And so I can see how some would, some of that would be an accident accident, but also mm-hmm. intent plays a, a big role in that because they may have just taken it home, hung it, caped it out, skinned it, or got the meat off of it, whatever the scenario is, and then went back out hunting again with that same tag. Right. So mm-hmm. intent has a lot to do with it. There are accidents and the, there are intent. And then the other, on the other side of it is like the major ones, right? We, we talked mm-hmm. about shooting a giant buck with a spotlight, um, with a high powered rifle during an archery season, right? The, like right. The, the worst case scenario. Is there a way to come up with a matrix or, you, you know what I mean? Like some Excel <laughs> yeah. sheet that says, this is this, this is that. And if you do this twice, then this is that. And, and, and it's just like puzzle pieces as opposed to gray area writing. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm not smart enough to, to, to be able to say, I think is like my best answer. Right. <laughs> just because, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that kind of go, go into it, you know, cause even if you think about law in general, it's, you know, it's not all black and white. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot that's left there to be, I don't want to say interpreted, but to be kind of explored. And that's why you have cases that are tried, right? Because like one side is trying right. to create more gray area than there than there needs to be, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think the one thing that you always have on your side, though, if you are a person who maybe has been um, dinged with like a ticket or a, or, or a violation or whatever, you know, the the prosecution has has the you know the the weight of providing preponderance of of the court right so they have to prove without a shadow of a doubt that you're actually guilty right right and so that's where that that kind of like gray area you know maybe somewhat works to like your your benefit right as the as the defendant right because they they have to they have they can't leave any gray area if there's a moment where they can say well maybe this guy actually did tag it and the tag fell off like he said Mm -hmm. you know if you can create enough doubt around that, then they shouldn't convict you. Right. Right. And so I don't know that it needs to be any more cut and dry because then I think what, what I was talking about earlier where, you know, there needs to be some leeway of like some common sense of like, did the person make an honest mistake and should they, you know, have a $30,000, I'm just making up numbers, but a $30,000 fine because they lost track of the property line and took all the right steps to kind of report it and whatever Mm -hmm. versus the guy who's shooting stuff out of a field with a spotlight Mm -hmm. in archery season with a high powered rifle. Right. Like to me, those are two very different things and don't deserve the same type of punishment. And so if you create this matrix and it's like poaching, just, making it as simple as we can for the purpose of this conversation poaching is poaching and it equals this it's like man that's that's tough you know and so i think even though the ambiguity of it uh leads to some like funny business as far as like interpreting i think you know it, it allows for you to be able to defend yourself appropriately if it comes to that and two i think before it gets to that i think it's incumbent upon the hunter if in the in the case of like a bait pile or something like that to do everything that you can do to not leave doubt that there is anything that's funny business. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the old saying, right. Of anything. It's like, just control the things that you can control. And then the other things shouldn't matter. Right. You know? And so, you know, if you tag your deer when you're supposed to, it's like, yeah, that's my bad. Like technically, you know, not, not that I did that, but whoever the person would be, it's like, that's my bad. I shouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. And so whatever the fine is like, you know, that's a dumbass fee. 
Yeah. Like we, we always called that like when I bartended, when someone like, you know, went home with like an ugly chick, you know, and, and then came in and then like rang up a bar tab under their name. We were like, that's dumbass tax right there. Tax, tax. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, if you do something that's st- like silly like that and you get popped for it, it's like, well, that's, that's dumbass tax. Then, right. You know? Right. All right. Um, now recently, we have had, I mean, over the last two or three years, and you can go back as far as you want, there's always yeah. these cases of people within the hunting industry poaching. And I, mm-hmm. I can sit here and name names, but you know yeah. you know the, the, the main ones. Um, from a community standpoint or from an industry standpoint, if such, such a person who has this platform and this profile – and has a lot of followers, commits a crime, maybe they're found guilty, maybe the case is dropped, like a lot of them are, that, you know, like, uh, I, you know, I'm not guilty. Well, you're not innocent either. The case was dropped, and you're still paying a shit ton of fines, right? So that right. there's there's these questions there. When things like that happen, do you think that the hunting industry should take a stand and just, like, blackball these people? Mm, that's always a tricky one because we go back to what we were talking about earlier like people deserve a second chance i think mm-hmm. it goes back to like how was the mistake made you know under what circumstance how often how many times has this been done you know right um and and i also think it's fair to say you know it's that old saying of to those much is given much is much is required mm-hmm. you know and so if the hunting community you know whether they are you know, a hunting celebrity or whatever they are, right? Whatever you want to term it. If the hunting community has bestowed that responsibility on you through their support, right? And I'm not talking about industry. I'm not talking about brands or hunting podcast mm-hmm. guys like my, you and I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not talking about our support. I'm talking about the community's support at large, like people who follow you, who consume your content or whatever it is that the person creates, then I think the punishment needs to be more severe because there's more required of you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the idea of, you know, when a football team does something, you know, that's, we'll use the Patriots, for example, right? Like whenever they had their cheating scandals, you know, during their Super Bowl run and stuff like that, like Tom Brady was only ever impacted really like during the deflated football thing. Right. And Belichick, I don't think really was ever much impacted, but whenever they got caught with like the Spygate stuff, like they hammered Kraft and it was like a 500,000 no, hammered is a relative term considering yeah. he's a billionaire, but you know, a $500,000 fine and more importantly, organization, they lost a bunch of draft picks. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but nobody else was really punished. I think Belichick maybe paid like a $75,000 fine or a hundred thousand dollar fine or something like that. And that was, and that was the extent of it. But the reason being is because those two are the ones who have the most uh, influence. Right. right. And so what more is expected of them because they are in leadership positions. Right. Right. And so, think of the hunting community in terms of like an organization, right? It's the people at the top that are the big celebrities, you know, whether we want to, whether we agree with them or not, like how they hunt or don't, you know, whatever the case is, they are the faces there. That's who people kind of attach hunting with most in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with that, you know, there is, they're kind of the CEOs, if you will, of the hunting community, you know, for no, for no other reason. And that's, they're the most visible. And so with that, I think, you know, there's much more required of them, Right. (laughs) you know, they have to be 
the best ambassador, not just like an okay ambassador. And if they do something that's incorrect, they need to own it. They need to be accountable and they need to accept the punishment for it. Now, if, it, if it's not true and they, they fight it or whatever, you know, use the legal system, you know, like that's, that's fine. But if they are guilty, like to me, their punishment should be the harshest because they have, we have more to lose by them being asshats than we have Joe Blow down the street does something wrong and three people know about it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Uh, any final thoughts on what we've discussed today surrounding, the, you know, the topic of, of poaching? Uh, no, I think we uh, I think we covered poaching well. Um, I think we're going to poach a couple wins when PSU visits Iowa this year. <laughs> I knew that was Iowa coming. Hawkeye. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't know, man. We got the you, – you, did you watch the soldier salute? Uh, yeah, I saw it. Oh, yeah. boy. Old Mr. Yeah. Fast Twitch. Dude, I, I don't know. I don't know what Brains is going to do with the Ferrari boys, man. I I, uh, I hope they can turn around because I feel like they would be of value to the there, but not their, not some of that personality. Yeah, they're they're talented and uh, and, and I'm here for it. I'm yeah. here to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, if you ever find yourself in Iowa City uh, during uh, a duel like that, man, we got to hang out for sure. <laughs>